All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Pit Talk on the Inside Dirt Network. We are back with another rapid reaction, and uh, this one is closely linked to the last episode of Pit Talk we did uh, with Dean Ferris signing for CDI Yamaha Monster Energy and uh, the rider that, or well, one of the riders vacating that team and uh, allowing space for that signing is your 2022 MX1 champion in ProMX. And uh, we've got him on the line now, Aaron Tanny. Thanks for joining us, mate. Hey, mate. Um, thanks for having me. No, no problem. Appreciate you. Uh, I, I shot you a text today as soon as it became official. Um, and I was like, let's get the lowdown, mate. Let's hear from you. Um, look, we'll start obviously signing. I'm going to try to remember the team name. I believe it's the Partzilla, uh, Kawasaki, South of the Border. There's a few names in there, but what is the team that you're going to be writing for? Um, yeah, so probably easiest way to say it is, yeah, the Partzilla, PRMX, Kawasaki. So, yeah, they, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're like, like you said, they're based out of the south of the border and um, they've been going for a good chunk of years and building up to a pretty reputable team and just on that, I guess you'd say that next tier down from the factory guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll start off, uh, have you spent any time on the East Coast? Like, do you know South Carolina, where south of the border is? Have you ever been over there? Nah, honestly, like I went over... Um, in 2020 and I raced the West Coast so I was actually based you know for however long that was a month or two um, on the West Coast so I've actually never been to the East Coast of America so. yeah man look I used to live in Atlanta which is only probably you know, about three or four hours south of, of south of the border there in South Carolina um, it's a cool place like the dirt is epic it's going to be cold over there man when you head over there though have, you, have they told you that yeah, look, I've <clears throat> obviously spoke to a few people. Um, I had the luxury of, like, um, you know, riding with Josh Hill and uh, Justin Braden that live not too far from them type of places. So I've definitely been popping uh, Josh's head when he's over here racing with CDR, um, some questions. So, yeah, I've been, I've been told it can get cold. He said it probably won't snow, but it's still cold <laughs> it can snow i've been it's, it's definitely uh it gets interesting there in winter but man it's still a, a really cool climate for riding like the dirt there is epic um yeah man i mean you just head down to florida i'd assume if it gets cold up north you'll just head further down to ride but um all right so prmx part zillicawi um like you said we've seen you over there in american you know in america west coast uh lights a couple years ago in supercross and 250 class um i know with your Supercross talents, you know, you've always been vocal that America's where you wanted to be. Um, talk about how the deal came about. You know, um, I guess defending champion this year, it's it's a hard one, right? Like, do you stay and make the money in Australia? Do you capitalize on being young and go into America while you can? I'm sure there was a lot that weighed into that decision. So talk about, you know, talk about that and how it all came about. Yeah, like like you said, I've, it's obviously been on my radar for a while. I kind of had that little bit of a taste in 2020, um, which when I went over was you know not at not at my best, and because uh, I you know got injured just before I went over and sort of had to just get into it and kind of got a flow towards the end. But you know, I posted some pretty good results, and from there I was like, you know, we kind of tried to get over there, but that's what sort of when COVID. Um, come about and 
Uh, I was actually meant to go ride in America in 2021, but just with all the COVID and the uncertainty of, you know, if I do go race some of the supercrosses, then I'm going to be stuck over there. Um, all of that. So that sort of, you know, hindered that. But then that also started my 450 career in Australia because, you know, I essentially signed with Gas Gas that year and a um, bit of an injury riddled year that year too. But then the following year, obviously, I signed with CDR and, had a really good year and that obviously got a lot of people, um, you know, myself on a lot of people's radar, including with the World Supercross and stuff. Um, if you, ba- if you also- backtrack that, it's just nuts to think about that because I've always been a big um, supporter or or I tell your story a lot where I remember you, obviously, you've spoke about this publicly. You went to trade school, got your trade, then you started chasing the professional riding deal on the other side of that and really yeah like you went in 21 you went up to the 450 class got injured covid year no racing you did a bit of supercross in 2020 in the states then 22 you signed for cdr and you win the championship like it literally went from a rook you were essentially still a 450 rookie in 22 when you look at it that way yeah um yeah look yeah that year was you know everything you know i just couldn't really put a foot wrong i was just you know, putting my best foot forward and I guess with the pressure and stuff with the team and whatever else, they were just given everything I needed and, you know, I performed under that and like you said, I won that pretty much in my rookie year, you'd say, and then almost went on to win the Supercross as well. Unfortunately, just a little mishap there, but uh, it was definitely a year that brought me up and built a lot of confidence in my riding and you know, believing where I should be um, because at the start of that year, you know, that belief probably wasn't fully where it should have been and, um, you know, now it is. Now I go to the races and I expect to win in Australia at least. Um, so it's, it's always disappointing when I don't. <clears throat> yeah, sorry, I kind of interrupted you there about, you know, how the deal came about, but obviously were you looking – you know, like you said, you had opportunities at different times with COVID and Supercross. It just obviously was not the time to be overseas. We all know that. Um, was it like, a, okay, I won the championship. I'm going to defend it once and then go. Or did the deal come about later in this year? Like how long in advance had you had the plan to go to America for 24? Um, in, all, in all honesty, I kind of signed my CDR deal quite early last year. And if it hadn't have probably been signed so early I probably there would have been a chance that I probably would have done it this year um, as there was offers and stuff like that but um, you know I was kind of signed and I was I was happy with it you know I was happy to defend my championship this year and have another year in Australia and get another year under my belt before I do go so it has been on the radar for a while and um, been a few teams interested and whatnot but it was just more finding the one that's going to work the best, you know, for me and what my interests are. And, um, yeah, when this one sort of come up, it kind of fit, you know, everything that I need to do a, a really big move and um, give it a good shot. So are you going to be based um, at South of the Border? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So I'll be based there and training there pretty much full time. I think they might a little bit over on the west coast at the start of the year when we're just racing over there but other than that i'll be yeah living out south of the border and 
um, yeah, just hanging out there pretty much all the time and just chipping away. Yeah, right. Okay. Do you know who your teammates are going to be? Yeah, I believe they've released um, most of them. So I think I'm pretty um, Kay Clayson um, is going to be the other 450 grader. And I think they've got Hunter Yoda and Mitchell Harrison on the 250s. That's right. I, yeah, I, I did read that. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, okay. Clayson, he's a legit, you know, um, main event guy. So, um, you can have some good company there to train with, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I've, yeah, I've obviously seen Clayson a little bit around and I've watched him on TV, but he's racing the World Supercross. So, um, I'll see him this weekend as well and be like, hey, you're my new teammate. <laughs> yeah, I probably won't slam you now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, let's let's sidetrack. We'll come back to America, but we've got a lot to talk about with World Supercross, Australian Supercross. Um, it's a very busy time of year, and I think, you know, before we get into that, but like, what a cool time for your career, um, Aaron, because you look at you you were fortunate enough to ride for CDI Yamaha Monster Energy, which is one of the obviously it's the if not one of the leading teams in in the Australian pro pits, but DACA runs a program that. Obviously, your results and your writing speaks for itself, but it's allowed you to get put on that global map uh, because of World Supercross, you know, and Pro-MX, you know, being a champion. It's got you on that radar, which is really cool. So, obviously, you go to um, Abu Dhabi. Uh, I think you fly out tomorrow, right? Um, yeah. So, did I read right that you're going to ride the 450 class for the rest of the World Supercross? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, that's it's all obviously pretty interesting how that all came about too so yeah what what was the go there was it just a decision um the team you you wanted to do it what happened there um yeah look i always wanted to do the 450 from the start i just um you know it just wasn't my choice um but yeah unfortunately the 450 rider that they had on grant harlan he got injured at the nations so um it opened up a spot and um, yeah, unfortunately I had a bit of a, I did a bit of a knee injury before round one of Supercross and I had to get a bit of surgery. So, um, I've had to have a bit of time off the bike and, you know, so I'm pretty limited and I just said to Dakar, I'm like, look, I don't want to, I don't want to be switching around and I want to do the 450 and I'm more comfortable on that. So that's how it all sort of came about with that. Yeah, I did. I did hear about the knee. Um, one of those things that was a bit hush hush so I didn't want to bring it up but you, you beat me to it so um, obviously so what does that mean for the team because they have to field two 250 riders correct so are they bringing someone in for that yeah look they they definitely have filled in just the one because they only need to field the one spot because I'm the only one jumping up but um, I'm not sure if they're announcing that so I'm not going to say who it is but they definitely have it filled Okay. Yeah, I don't want to get you. Don't want to get you in trouble there, mate. We'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, okay. I, I mean, it makes sense, man. Like you're, you rode a two fifty F well in the World Supercross last year, especially. I can't remember your results in England a few months back, but honestly, I felt like that round was just crazy for everybody with the format and the track. Um, where did you end up there? Um, I'm pretty sure I ended up seventh overall or sixth overall there, um, but. Like you said, there was nothing but I felt like I just battled carnage the, every single race. Um, <laughs> it wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy that track layout for what you know the racing was. So 
Um, yeah, I just feel like the 250 class in World Supercross is a little bit crazy compared to the 450 class, so I'm kind of glad to step it up um, when yeah. guys are a little I think your there. your level of maturity, you know, MX1, Primex champion, like to be jumping back in. I don't want to say a lot of the guys are older in the 250 class in World Supercross, but I think when you have those tracks and that racing format and then 250 size bikes, it's just going to get crazy because you can slam people harder. There's not as much to separate everybody. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I think, your maturity level and how you ride a 450. And looking at the track map for Abu Dhabi, if you look at the track map compared to what we just raced in Adelaide a few weeks ago, I think that's actually going to really suit what you've just come off from Adelaide. Yeah, I, believe, I, th- I think the stadium's probably, you know, about, um, you know, the where we used to have Ozax Open in Sydney. It's about that size stadium, um, but it has a little bit of an outdoor area, which obviously opens it up. So it is going to be, you know, some tight racing and stuff, but it does get opened up by going outside the stadium. So it looks pretty cool. It's going to be different. Um, and, you know, looking forward to it, really. Yeah, it's, I mean, what a cool place to go race, right? When you look at your calendar for the next few weeks, you got Abu Dhabi, Newcastle, Melbourne. That's a really cool way to finish off the year with, with you know, being with the team and being a professional Supercross racer. Um, so as far as, you know, obviously I'm assuming it's Supercross only for America. Does that team do outdoors? Um, so it's a little bit of a uh, mixed match. I think they're going to... From what I know, they're probably going to do some outdoors to make sure that the riders qualify for the super motocross. Oh, that's, uh, right. that's right, yeah. But they they do a lot of the – they have a team sort of situation where they do the Canadian series as well. Um, so there was, you know, potential to do some of that, but I think the main focus is going to be to do the full – obviously the full AMA supercross season and then – you know, depending on where we're sitting, possibly some of the AMA motocrosses, which would be really cool too. But I don't think we'll be doing the whole thing. Yeah, just enough to kind of get you qualified for the world the world playoffs, right? Um, yeah. So is this, uh, I mean, I, I'm asking a question that you probably don't know the answer to right now, but really, if you look at racing the full 450 Supercross Championship, some outdoors, and then Super World, sorry, Super Motocross, whatever they call it, um, at the end of the season, you're going to be basically full-time in the States next year. Like, there's probably not much chance of you coming back here, hey? Yeah, so it's obviously, I don't know, you know, what we're up against at the moment. Um, but, yeah, like, with when, the, obviously, the Super Motocross is on, which was is quite late in the year, I'll have to definitely still be over in the States. And then I think the plan is to um, come home after that and, you know, race the Australia stuff and possibly the world stuff again. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, so I'd you, like to spend the end of the year back in Australia at home and, um, you know, band, friends, family. It's going to be a big change for me next year. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, far out what a season that would be. You know, AMA Supercross, Super motocross um world supercross and australian supercross you're getting um you're getting obviously the justin uh, brayton playbook right there mate and just running a supercross only deal i like it yeah look it's um supercross is awesome when you it's gonna be it's even gonna be even more next level for me going to all them 
stadiums and stuff next year with all the fans. But um, yeah, I I really enjoy Supercross and I think it's awesome. Um, you know, I'm not against motocross or anything, but um, being able to go racing a lot more weekends in the year compared to Australia, it's going to be nice because I enjoy racing rather than doing the off time and grinding. So um, yeah, there is a lot of downtime in the calendar here. Um, you don't have to answer figures, um, but I will ask the question. I'd assume you're taking a pay cut going over there because, you know, you'd have been signing on for pretty much the industry standard top tier 450 spot in Australia plus bonuses. Like I can't imagine a team like PRMX is going to match that as a sign on, but I might be wrong. Like what's that dynamic? Um, obviously the potential in America to make mains and get contingency and bonuses is a lot more prevalent because it's such a long championship. So um, I guess you had to weigh that up with the deal, right? Yeah. Like honestly, like it's not as, as you see, but you're probably, I'm probably taking a pay cut as, as you would say. It works really different over there. Um, you know, I'm probably taking a pay cut as in my sign on would be larger in Australia. Um, but I get with them, it's sort of, you know, you get paid per race as well. And, and then you add the, the, you got manufacturer bonuses, you got team bonuses, then you got AMA bonuses, which are unreal. And, Honestly, I, I in I'd probably make more money than what I made this year in the first five months. So, um, in money wise, it's pretty good if you are racing every weekend. Yeah, especially if you make the playoffs later in the year, man. That that's a big payday. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's definitely obviously the goal, and it's what I guess a lot of people don't see. You know, them guys like they they always like, oh, look at them guys in the LCQ battle and out and I'm like, well, uh, when I, when I've got all these contracts and stuff, them guys in the LCQ that are in the, you know, pretty much everyone in the LCQ, if you're in the LCQ every weekend, you're definitely making more than 90% of the people in Australia. So <laughs> for sure. a lot of people don't understand the, the business model in America, like you said, where, you know, that's why I brought it up. Cause yeah, I know your sign on is probably not going to rival CDR, but then once you've got, the manufacturer contingency, which is paid independent to the team. So Cowie are going to pay you to finish wherever you finish. And I know Cowie have the best contingency in America. That's why all the, the privateers are on that bike. Um, are, you, are you doing your own gear deal or is it a team deal? No, that's like team deal. I'm pretty sure I can, I can do my own boots, but you know, there's not much money in boots these days. But it's yeah, just pretty much all team team deal and you know, they'd let me bring across two personal sponsors and yeah, and then just run with it like that. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, switching things up, let's talk about 23 real quick, mate, while I've got you. Um, yeah. Look, it probably wasn't the title defense you were looking for. I felt like it just never quite got going. There were flashes of 23 in your results this year, but it just, when you got that momentum last year, like you said, you couldn't do anything wrong. It kind of seemed like the opposite this year where you couldn't do anything right. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like when you look back at the season, I had um, two mechanical DNS. Like that's just... For CDR, know, like that's unheard of. Um, yeah, it is definitely unheard of. And, you know, the first one in the mud was unfortunate. Unfortunately, a lot of Yamahas had the same problem. Um, and it was just, I guess, 
the bike hadn't been tested under them type of conditions and whatever else because you're never going to test under them type of conditions like of how muddy it is and yeah um, that, that race was an absolute freak show um but yeah that the yamahas did succumb to that a little bit more than the rest i'd say but um yeah that that wasn't the same thing i mean man it was just the conditions but then then you look at what happened to you at qmp where you know you were kind of getting it back on track and you were still in the hunt and then that went down and you go man this guy's just this year is just not happening for Aaron Tanney, you know? Yeah, that was like, um, honestly, that was a really big one for me because I actually did, you know, throughout the season, I had that first DNF at round two. So I was a long way back. And, you know, to have clawed my way back to, you know, third in the championship and, um, you know, right behind Jed and Ferris still and, you know, putting in a, the race that I needed to put in to be in the hunt going into the last round and you know something like that happens it was just super unfortunate and like same same thing at Toowoomba just with just an unfortunate you know my gear lever got caught on a rut and I was hitting false neutrals and that ended up putting me down it was just like one of them years that them type of things just come about and and yeah that's all she wrote really yeah, that's all she wrote. I guess you can take some solace in the fact that the year did not go to plan, but I feel like your riding was – your speed was probably as good as last year. Um, maybe at times you didn't quite have that speed of Ferris or or on the rounds he was on. I don't know. I don't really want to say that. It was – I felt like the year was so fragmented for you. It was really hard to even get a feel of where you were at because you did have those races where you beat those guys, you matched those guys – but it was so far and few between with all the crazy stuff that was happening. Yeah, 100%. And there was no doubt. It, like, you know, like when Ferris was on, he was on. And um, the hard thing about that too is just his starts was he always started up front. So, um, you know, it's hard to beat a guy like that when most of the time we're riding at the same pace and whatever else. So, um, you know, he obviously hats off to him and, now see how he goes back on CDR next year. Yeah, I guess he's taken technically he's taking your seat. So um, yeah, that's a turn of events right there. But um, yeah, the season was weird, man. Like I said, it was it was a strange year. Um, and then I think looking at you know Coolum after QMP, it just looked like you were kind of deflated after that. Like there wasn't much left in the tank at Coolum. If I was being honest, watching you, I think it was just like, oh man, the the championship's done at that point. Yeah, look, my only hope going into Coolum was obviously to get that third place and um, I had to beat Gibbsy to do it, which is not the easiest thing in the world to do at Coolum considering he uh, is pretty good around there and I'm not a stand rider. So, you know, I actually did have a really good race in the first race. I rode Coolum the best I'd probably ever rode and, you know, I only ended up finishing like three seconds behind Jed for fourth in the first moto and um, that obviously put me in the upper hand and, I was only like a point or two behind Gibbsy um, heading into the last one. And, you know, I got off to a good start again and I actually got into a good position and I was um, following Ferris through um, in P3. And, you know, that's kind of where I needed to stay to get third in the championship. And unfortunately, done a cool and just fell off the edge of the track and crashed. So 
<laughs> yeah, that was that was all she um, wrote. I think I probably yeah. yeah oversimplified it, but I remember you going down and yeah, and that was all she wrote, man. Um, how did Dakar take that? Like, I'm sure you guys have grown pretty tight over the last two seasons. Um, was it? I guess with the way the year had gone at that point, he knew the championship was over. But um, how? Excuse me. How was he in your corner uh, this year with it being so tough mentally with the ups and downs? Uh, yeah, honestly, he was really good. Um, I thought he was going to take the QMP incident a lot worse, but um, you know he's been around for a long time and he knows that you know that's a freak thing that unfortunately probably won't ever happen to me in my career ever again. Um, nor will someone see it for a long time, and it's just one of them things that. So yeah, he was obviously all pretty good, and you know he just pretty just wanted me to put my best foot forward at Coolum, and you know I tried, but yeah, just fell that little bit short. Yeah, it's uh, you can't you can't say you didn't try, that's for sure. But um, all right, switching gears. So I can't remember wife or girlfriend, fiance. I'm sorry, which one it is. But um, are you going solo to the states? Is she going with you? What's the family looking like? Uh, yeah, so I've also got, got my um, beautiful partner. We bought a house together last year. So um, yeah, she's uh, she's gonna be staying um, for a little while and just coming over and visiting um for like a good chunk amount of time because she's uh you know it's a bit of a difficult situation because she she's a paramedic in australia and obviously to job avenues and stuff over there it's a little bit different um and obviously i have no idea what i'm walking into as in living wise and you know how it's all going to go and all of that so um yeah so it's going to be a little bit tough on that sort of sense i'm going to be pretty much solo solo tripping and just get get in the visit probably every two months three months or so yeah well i tell you what man south carolina where south of the border is you are going to see some uh, redneck things um you're going to see a lot of dudes and women walking around in camouflage you're going to see a lot of guns a lot of hunting it's um is a long way from uh are you gold coast or where are you now i forget yeah you're goldie right yeah, I'm like top of Goldie. So. Well, you ain't in the Goldie no more. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, I I figured I um, you know, I watched, I definitely done my research and watched some videos, and I was like, oh yeah, this is just let's just live and breathe moto. That's what it's gonna be. So uh, it'll be perfect for your for your riding and training, man. Like the training facility model over there, you literally live at the track. You got everything you need. It's it's gonna be next level for you to ride Supercross every day. Um, Especially when you look at Australia, how far you have to travel to ride Supercross, the politics, the tracks, like, it'd be none of that. You're just going to focus on racing. Yeah, honestly, once racing kicks over anyway, it's pretty busy. They, like, what do they race, like, 17 races in 19 weeks, so. Yeah, there's going to be no much downtime, man. Yeah, honestly, like, I'm, because I've still got commitments here in Australia, obviously I'm not going over till, you know, probably the week after Melbourne. Um, and that kind of only leaves me like four weeks as well as Christmas and New Year's around that period till I actually have to start racing. So, um, you know, it's going to come at me before I know it and I'm just going to be, you know, flying, racing, training, flying. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's definitely going to come around quick, but, um, all right, man, 
Hey, Aaron Tanny, um, here on the Inside Dirt Network on Pit Talk, another rapid reaction interview. Uh, and that is Aaron Tanny leaving CDO Yamaha Monster Energy and heading to AMA Supercross in 2024, mate. So, hey, um, what time are you flying out in the morning? Um, I've actually got a flight to Sydney first and then a direct one, but uh, probably around 9 a.m. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, um, I will leave you get some rest and uh, best of luck in Abu Dhabi. And where are we at? Is Newcastle next weekend? No, two weeks. Yeah. 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 It's uh, the following weekend. So I pretty much fly back, get back Monday and have the week and race Newcastle. How far is Abu Dhabi? What, what, what? Distance. Um, well, it's usually the halfway stop when you do the big Europe flights and stuff. So it's about 14 and a half hours. Yeah, it's far enough you're going to feel it going there and back in a week. Okay. And yeah. 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 Does Dak put you <laughs> in business class or what? What's the go? Uh, no, I wish. He'd probably, <laughs> he'd probably try himself. But um, I was actually going to try because I think it's partnered up with the airline that I have all my points with. So we'll see. Yeah, points don't, <laughs> points don't get you as far as they used to. That's for sure. Yeah, unfortunately. I flew to Melbourne the other day on points, and it took all the points from basically this season to get a return to Melbourne. I was like, wow, that's ridiculous. But anyway. Yeah, that's shit. I usually do the points and pay method. It's pretty good. Hey, question before you go. What's going to happen to the pups, man? You've been breeding Frenchies for a few years. That's going to have to go on the back burner, hey? Well, well that was actually my parents back in Sydney. They, um, they did the Frenchies and stuff, so it was never actually me, but I'd, we... You know, my partner and I, we got um, Siberian Huskies, so um, they're like pretty much like children. So um, <laughs> they're gonna miss dad yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, they yeah definitely, and I'm gonna miss them. I yeah, I love them too. So, um, but it, it definitely makes it's definitely gonna be hard. But yeah, they're gonna have um, probably we're we gonna have the I think the Meniers are living here next year, so it'll make life a little bit easier for you know my partner and to look after the dogs and stuff like that too for sure man all right well hey um aaron appreciate you taking the time out mate uh best of luck in Abu Dhabi. i will see you in newcastle i'll be uh, on the mic and um yeah man safe travels good racing and appreciate you taking the time out mate thanks mate appreciate all right it. talk to you soon yeah bye